a dose of deception with the queens of queens, Shannon and Emily. In our podcast, we'll be discussing murders, missing persons cases, mysteries, and a whole lot of conspiracy theories. So stay tuned for the wild ride. Hey, queens. Welcome back to Dose of Deception. (laughs) Before we get into the episode today, we just want to quickly explain what we like to do on our show. For the first half of the show, <laughs> for the first half of the show, Emily comes in with a true crime topic, whether it be something like a murder mystery or a missing persons case. Uh-huh. And then in the second half, I come in with a conspiracy theory that I like, and we discuss the possibilities of that. And before we also get into it, we just want to quickly give a shout out to our social media accounts. So our Instagram is at Dose of Deception, and we also have a Facebook group that is also at Dose of Deception. So Emily, what are we talking about this episode? All right, so this episode, we're going to be talking about, it's a very sad case, um, the case of Jennifer Pan. Okay. So this is a Canadian case, Mm -hmm. and it only started gaining popularity, I'd say, in America, uh, at least with the people I know, people I've talked to about it, mm-hmm. in the past few years. So, mm-hmm. it's relatively new. Alright, so, let's get into it. Okay. Jennifer Pan was born in Canada to Vietnamese immigrant refugees on June 17, 1986. Her mother's name was Bic, and her father was Han. Um, and, like I said, they did come from Vietnam. They were extremely hardworking, and they just wanted a better life for their children. Mm-hmm. Jennifer also had a younger brother named Felix, mm-hmm. who was born in 1989. So the Pans worked at an auto parts manufacturer making tools and car parts. And as I said, they worked extremely hard for their money they earned. Um, They spent their lives focusing on giving Jennifer and Felix the upbringing that they never received themselves. Mm. They also wanted them to get really good educations, be very successful in life. And to an extent, this is where it all stemmed from. um, The turmoil within the family, which Mm. we'll get to. But I think being overprotective and being... uh, like being too encouraging in a sense where they felt kind of smothered definitely took a toll on them okay so they the pans earned enough by 2004 to purchase a pretty big house with a two-car garage in a very nice neighborhood um with a large asian population which was in the greater toronto area i believe the neighborhood was markham but i don't know canadian neighborhoods that well okay (laughs) now with all the sacrifice the pans made for their children it came a great deal of pressure placed on jennifer and felix Mm. So since the parents worked in the auto parts store, mm-hmm. they wanted Felix to go to college and become an engineer to make cars. Mm, so they, they, yeah, they definitely wanted him to be one step above them. Um, that is a lot of pressure, though. What if he wasn't interested in doing that yeah. or whatnot? So I definitely understand. I can definitely get into the heads of Jennifer and Felix in that mm-hmm. sense. So they also had Jennifer take piano lessons starting at four years old. Um, and had her take figure skating lessons nearly every day of the week in hopes of creating an Olympic figure skating champion. Mm. And Jennifer also was enjoying the figure skating, so she okay. wanted to do that. But still, you can kind of see, it, they had to be perfect at everything that they yeah. did. Um, Jennifer unfortunately hurt herself and had to stop sk- skating completely, so that dream was mm. kind of wiped off the table for yeah. her. Friends from Jennifer's high school, um, she went to Mary Ward Catholic Secondary School. Okay. And some of her friends there described Jennifer's father as the classic tiger dad. Mm. So they did say that Bick was a little more um, lenient, I guess. Uh-huh. But it was mainly her father. They were like tiger parents. Mm-hmm. Where everything they did, they had to do perfect. They put so much pressure on them to go above and beyond in everything that they accomplished. Yeah. And it definitely felt like they could not have a social life. They couldn't have any personal lives. Mm. Um 
Jennifer could not hang out with friends after school, and her parents picked her up every day and monitored her daily activity. Mm. She also was not allowed to date or go to school dances or proms, and her parents limited her social life completely so that she would only focus on her academics. Mm. Now, this was a lot of stress placed on Jennifer because her grades were... She averaged, like, a C in the 70 range, 70% uh-huh. range. So, obviously, she was passing, but it wasn't good enough for her parents. Yeah. So, the fact that they put so much pressure on her and took away her whole social life to only focus on her academics, mm-hmm. and she still wasn't doing so well in school, I feel it definitely took a mental toll. 100%. By the time Jennifer was 22, or actually, I should say this part here, um... They put so much pressure on her about her grades that she began forging her report cards and creating whole new ones using the same template to trick her parents into believing she was getting straight A's. Dang. Also, I used to... I didn't used to forge um, report cards ever, <laughs> but I've done that with grades before because my mom is also very strict with grades. Uh-huh. Like, I remember she... One time I got 98 on a test and she said, why isn't it 100? So, like, I used to be doing that with grades too. So, like, I feel that. I, That's I get crazy you, to do a whole report card. Though. No, I would never do that. I, I <laughs> That's feel, risky. <laughs> It is. I like signing stuff. Don't yeah. you have to like put the professor's signature and stuff? Yeah. Even as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, no. That's a lot. <laughs> but I feel I, I feel Jennifer on that one. <laughs> Alright, so by the time she was 22 years old, she had never drank alcohol, been to a party, visited her friend's place, or gone on vacation or road trips. Um, because she just wasn't allowed out. She wasn't That's allowed to crazy. do anything. And this is 22 years old. She's grown now. Exactly. If you were saying, oh, she's like 13. Yeah, like, that's I didn't still do like, that. Yeah. That's still like maybe she should be hanging out with her friends a little bit. But by 22, if you haven't even like been to your friend's house. Yeah. I don't know. So after the whole incident, which I will get into what happened, um, Jennifer's closest friends confessed that they felt like Jennifer's upbringing was extremely restrictive and oppressive for her. Definitely. And definitely did not let her to grow as a person, as an individual person. Oh, yeah, I have no idea how she's would have been able to function socially, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So, during her senior year of high school, Jennifer ended up failing calculus. And she she was applied to Ryerson University, and she got in with early admission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do you know that's from? <laughs> 21 Jump Street. You don't remember? remember? He's I like, mean, I love 21 Jump Street. I got Street. in, early admission. <laughs> it's Jonah Hill. I mean, I've seen that movie, but I do not remember that joke. That's my favorite part. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Back to the um, back to Jennifer. So she did get into Ryerson University. At, um, she was accepted with early admission. Mm-hmm. However, she failed calculus her senior year of high school, so they revoked her admission acceptance. Um, for calculus? For calculus. You don't even need calculus to go to college. Yeah, I know. I never took calculus. Yeah. And this is when the lie began. This is when Jennifer began lying to her parents. Mm-hmm. She still obviously wants to go to college to get yeah. away. Um, and she somehow convinced her parents that she was going to college free on all scholarships. And with the way that they thought, I feel like they would need proof and, like, they would be more strict yeah. with it. So I'm surprised she was able to get that past them. I mean, if she had been forging report That's cards true. since she was a kid, she definitely would be able to do that. Yeah. And so the university, I believe it wasn't too far from where she lived, but she told her parents that she was going to stay with one of her um, friends that was a girl. Mm-hmm. That they had, had an apartment somewhere. So the parents actually allowed it. So she claimed she was studying in university when she obviously wasn't, because she had to go back and finish calculus, so she, like, was still taking high school classes. Mm. Um, when her parents thought she was in class, Jennifer was actually hanging out in cafes to pass the time, and she eventually began teaching piano and working in a restaurant to earn money when she was supposed to be uh, in class. Mm-hmm. 
Jennifer told her parents, like I said, she had won many scholarships to attend the university, and she even went so far as to buy textbooks and watch videos about pharmacology, because that's what she said she was studying, yeah. um, to create notebooks full full of notes and, that's like, crazy. exams and stuff. So she really went all out to convince her parents. That's crazy that she would feel the need to go to that extreme. Right? Because they were that on top of her and yeah. that strict. Now, during the week, like I said, Jennifer pretended she was staying with a friend, and they were both in the same program. Mm -hmm. However, she was actually staying with her boyfriend, Daniel Wong, Mm. who was struggling with low grades throughout high school and was working at Boston Pizza Restaurant and selling marijuana on the side. So, Daniel actually, she went to high school with him. He was a year older. Mm. They met when she was in 11th grade and he was in 12th. And, you know, he was just funny and he was in the band, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, he was just like an outgoing person. She kind of always connected with him. She always wanted to date him, but of course her parents wouldn't let her. Yeah. So she found a way to, clearly here. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow Jennifer was able to trick her parents throughout most of the college career, which is insane. That's crazy. Like she, I think she went when she was 22 and I believe it was, she, I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe she tricked them until she was like 24. That's crazy. crazy. Or at least like almost 24. Yeah. While supposedly completing her degree at the University of Toronto, Jennifer told her parents that she was volunteering at the Hospital for Sick Children alongside her schooling. When they realized that she did not have a hospital uniform or ID, Bick, her mother, followed her one day and learned that she had not been volunteering or going to class at all. So, obviously, they were very livid. Um, her This is when they found out the truth. Yeah. And Jennifer's father tried throwing her out permanently, but her mother persuaded him to let her stay as long as she finally finished her high school degree and applied to school, mm-hmm. applied to university. So, you know, her father was pissed. Yeah. She definitely, I'd, I mean, I don't know what was happening inside the house yeah. and their relationship, but I'd say she had a close relationship with her mother than her father, but they were both still, like, so on top of her that yeah. I don't think she had a relationship with either of them. Yeah, just because it was better with the mom, that's not really saying much. Yeah. Despite being an adult, Jennifer was forbidden to see her boyfriend, Daniel, but the two still talked secretly during the time period. So they continued to talk and keep everything secret, but when Jennifer was 24 years old and was still being policed by her parents, uh, Daniel found a relationship with another woman that he said he had fallen in love with. Mm. Because he, he did love Jennifer, he wanted to be with her, but they were 24 and she still couldn't see him. Yeah. He, he felt he felt kind of um, not appreciated because she was always hiding him. She yeah. could never publicly say they were together. So he wanted to just be with somebody who he could be with in public and yeah, like, actually... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I get it. Um, now, you can kind of see where st- start, stuff starts to like... The true colors start to show in Jennifer. Okay. Um, because after he broke up with her, she became so angry... That she told Daniel a group of men had broken into her house and gang raped her, which didn't happen. So she mm. was she told him this whole story, I'm assuming to make him feel bad, make, make him, him come back. Bad. So she fabricated that. And then she also told him that she received a bullet in the mail from his new girlfriend. So she was trying what? to paint <laughs> this girl out to be a bad person to try to be like trying to get revenge on her when none of this was true. That's crazy. Yeah. So clearly she was not in the best mental state to say these things, and this definitely stemmed, I'm assuming, from her lack of freedom and control she had over her personal life, where she finally had Daniel, that she just lost that, and now she went back to her old life, it seems. Yeah. Because, like, think about it. He was the one thing that, like, the one person who she could be herself with, I'm assuming, and who she she didn't feel so much pressure to be perfect. Yeah. So I think it kind of messed with her. Now, this is when things turn sinister. 
So Jennifer felt like her only way out was to get rid of her parents some way or another. <laughs> See where this is going. Yes. <laughs> so during the spring of 2010, Jennifer reconnected with a high school acquaintance um, who introduced her to a man named Ricardo Duncan. Duncan admits to police now that Jennifer gave him $1,500 to murder her dad in the parking lot of his workplace, which he said no to. Um, I'm pretty sure he might have taken the money and not done anything, mm. but he was not going to kill somebody for $1,500. Yeah, she's going to come up with a lot more money right? than that. <laughs> That's so small. Now, soon after this incident, uh, Jennifer and Daniel reconnected. So I'm assuming he broke up with his girlfriend. Mm. He was back in her life. Mm-hmm. She told him, listen, because he said, no, he did love her. He wanted to be with her. Yeah. She wanted to be with him. And she said, the only way that we're going to be together is if you help me kill my parents. Or you could just, like, <laughs> run away. Or you could, like, you I know. know yeah. Anything like that would be a much easier solution. <laughs> yep. So once they reconnected, they both came up with a plan to pay a professional hitman. I believe it was supposed to be $20,000, but Daniel knew the guy. Or knew mm. the guy so you get a discount? who worked for them. They got a, 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 a nice discount. <laughs> so they only had to pay $10,000. Wow. To 50% murder, off. Yeah. To murder both of her parents now. Instead of just her father. So I think her father was the problem, but I'm assuming she just wanted both of them gone. Now, yeah. And now Jennifer's whole plan, she knew that she was in their will, obviously. The only people in their will was Felix and her. Yeah. So she calculated that she would inherit $500,000 from them after they died. Mm -hmm. They would be able to, her and Daniel would be able to take the money, have no, just, no parents. Like, Mm -hmm. no worry, no stress over, you know, being perfect over having to do whatever they wanted Mm -hmm. and they would just run away together with five hundred thousand dollars and be happy ever after but why couldn't they just do that in the first place a what run away yeah yeah i don't know they were already financially stable on their own for at least two years while she was pretending to be in college so why couldn't they just do that again i know but you know hindsight's 2020 (laughs) so dan daniel contacted lenford roy crawford this was a man who connected, who he had connections for this kind of scheme. Mm-hmm. And I believe Daniel was friends with him, and that's why he got the discount. Okay. So Crawford quickly found Jennifer, her guys, which was two hitmen named Sniper, this is his nickname. It's Eric Sean Cardi and David Milvaganum, who are both from Montreal, Canada. Now, in order to keep this interaction secret, David bought Jennifer her uh, a separate iPhone where mm. she would be able to contact Sniper and David without it being traced back to her original phone because her parents were paying for the phone I believe so okay. obviously <laughs> you can't be like I'm gonna yeah. murder them and they're like paying for it <laughs> now the plan took place on November 8th 2010 in the within the Pan household mm. so all this happened in their own home okay the night began like any other <laughs> Jennifer was watching TV in her room Han was reading the Vietnamese newspaper, and Bic was actually out line dancing because um, Jennifer had said afterwards that her mother went out every Monday night with friends and family mm-hmm. and went line dancing because she loved to do it. That makes... I don't know. For it, some reason, that part just made me sad because it made her so much more human. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Because sometimes when I'm, doing, when I'm researching these cases, it's hard to connect um, to the people if you don't really go yeah. deep into it. But once I start watching videos of them or hearing stuff like this... Yeah, it's the little tidbits like that yeah. that make you like connect with them. Definitely. So, when she got home, um, Bic got home around 9.30pm, and mm-hmm. her, the husband was already in bed. And so was Jennifer. She was in her room. Mm-hmm. So, before going to bed, Jennifer unlocked the front door, then called David to signal it was time to begin. And she also, yeah, she also, like, flashed the lights, which is how I believe they knew to come in. Mm-hmm. 
So Daniel Wan, Wong and Crawford were at work during this time. So they were not part of it. Um, the hitmen were. Uh-huh. But her boyfriend was at work. So he technically, you know, I think he was just trying to not get caught. He, yeah. He was just trying to not be part of it. All right. So David, along with two other people who were driven to the home by Eric Cardi, mm-hmm. um, they enter the house with guns. So the, the gunmen's identities were kept hidden, except for um, David and Eric, because mm-hmm. they were the ones who they initially hired, I believe. Yeah. So once they were in the house, the three men demanded the pans, give them all their money, and they ransacked the bedroom. Then they took Vic and Hunt to the basement, and they shot them multiple times each. Now, unfortunately, Jennifer's mother um, passed away from the shots, but somehow Han survived the brutal shooting. Oh? Yes. Um, Jennifer gave the man $2,000, and then they left the home. And she claims to the police that the men tied her up. However, she was somehow able to still call 911 with her hands tied. Yeah, okay, girl. Yeah, so now I'm going to play for you the 911 call. What's your name? My name is Jennifer. So it just broke in? So it broke in and I heard shots like cops. I don't know what's happening. I'm tied upstairs. Did it sound like gunshots? I don't know what it sounds like. I just heard a pop. So in the background of the police call, you can hear screaming. Mm-hmm. That is her father because he was also shot, but he woke up and he saw obviously his dead wife next to him. Yeah. So he started screaming and ran out the house to try to get help, I believe. Or I don't know if he could have ran out the house, but he, he was definitely screaming and yeah. being frantic. So that's really sad to hear. Now, he was treated for his gunshot wounds originally at a hospital in Markham, but he was transferred by aircraft to Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto after that. Mm-hmm. Now, he was put into a medically induced coma right away, so he couldn't talk. So nobody knew what happened inside the house. Yeah. So initially, the police come to question Jennifer. Mm-hmm. She obviously... she So when the police come, she has shoelace, a shoelace tied to her hands on the banister. And she said, they tied me up with the shoelace. And... The police obviously felt bad for her at first. Her parents just yeah. got shot. They were sympathizing with her. You know, they, they thought she was innocent and all this. And um, he was a, he was in a coma, so he couldn't say anything. Yeah. So at first it seemed great, but once he woke how up... How do you not catch on to... How did she make a phone call if your hands are tied well, yeah, to the banister? They, this was just initially right off the bat. Oh, okay. But they do... One, I was watching all the documentaries on it. They make her go through the motions of how she did it. They, like, they tied mm. her with the... Uh-huh. Yeah. And she was, like, trying... And, like, she did it, but it seemed kind of sketch. Yeah. Now... Finally, after her third interview, so initially police, they questioned her a bunch of times and they started getting suspicious of her because they were also saying this was a robbery, right? This is what you're supposed to think it was because they came in, they ransacked everything. They said, give me all your money. And they didn't even take all the money in the house. So what was the point of them not taking any of the money, killing them and then just leaving without money? Yeah. And also I feel... And they didn't take any jewelry, nothing. Yeah. And I feel like a usual robbery, Mm -hmm. especially if the people are masked. Yeah. They don't kill the people. I know. In the house. Yeah. If you could just get the money and leave, why would you add another crime? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when and then, the point is just to take money. And then if you do kill them, don't take the money. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So they started catching on to her, questioning mm-hmm. her more. Um, Jennifer was obviously very uncomfortable and scared um, yeah. with the questioning. And so she tried to fabricate another lie to get herself, I guess, off the hook a little. Mm-hmm. She said that she had hired people to kill her... Because she couldn't deal with living with parents like that anymore. But they messed up, and they killed the parents instead. They, they got it wrong. Um, and she was just trying to not get in trouble for this. Girl. Right? <laughs> um, 
However, finally, after her third interview with police, Jennifer finally broke, and she confessed to hiring the hitman to kill her parents, or her mother, mm-hmm. um, and she was arrested on November 22nd, 2010. Now, everybody in this case does get arrested. A few months later, uh, David, who was the one who, I believe he was one of the ones who shot um, her, yeah. he was arrested as well on April 14, 2011. Eric Cardi was also arrested on... Um, the last two to be arrested, however, were Daniel Wong. He was, I was arrested. Say, where is Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't think he had anything to do with it because he was at work that night. Yeah. But finally, her boyfriend was arrested on April 26, 2011. And then mm. Crawford, who was Wong's friend, yeah. who hired these people, May 4th, 2011. So it took a while for everybody took, to actually get arrested. Yeah. It took a long while. Um, now, the 10-month trial began a few years later on March 19th, 2014. Wow. Yeah. It took a while for them to get everyone convicted yeah well that many people connected to it it probably took a long time for them to get the stories together definitely and what they believed actually happened together mm-hmm. now initially all parties pleaded not guilty to first degree murder attempted murder and conspiracy to commit murder however police girl you literally said you did it you i know right <laughs> and also police went through her phone her iphone and uh-huh. found over 100 text messages between jennifer and daniel in the six hour span for the murder Saying, like, oh, we're doing this tonight, like, all that. So, obviously, she did it. Yeah. Um, and despite claiming to be tied up, Jennifer was not assaulted, blindfolded, or, like, shot or anything. And, like I said, authorities thought this was suspicious. Oh, yeah. Why would the robbers kill the parents and saying. just tie you up? And leave behind a whole eyewitness. Yeah, that, that could make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, they also pointed to her lack of emotion when discussing the break-in. It seemed mm. kind of staged. Mm. Also, she didn't have... Yeah, she just didn't really have a lot of emotion through the whole case. And I understand people experience um, grief differently. Yeah. But still, it's it's a little sketchy in this situation. Uh, 100%. I mean, to me, that 911 call sounded very acty. Yeah, <laughs> Very exactly. fake. Um, so, the trials included over 200 witness testimonies until finally, okay. on December 13, 2014... Jennifer, Daniel, David, and Crawford were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Whoa! Yeah. With no chance of parole for 25 years, so they could get out. Cardi's um, also pleaded guilty. Mm-hmm. However, his um, sentence took longer to come because his uh, his I believe his lawyer got sick during the trial, so mm-hmm. they couldn't do okay. it. However, he did plead guilty, and he received 18 years mm-hmm. with eligibility for parole after nine years. So he drove them there, so I'm assuming that's why he got less. Yeah. And he didn't have, like, a whole... Like, I know... Jennifer I guess it wasn't and Daniel. his idea. Yeah. Jennifer yeah. and Daniel came up with the idea. So yeah. that's equivalent of killing them, I guess. Yeah, so they had the intent to kill yeah. that you would need for a murder sentence like that. Yes, yeah, so she's not up for parole until, let's see, 2014. What's 25 years from then? It's 2039. <laughs> yeah, so she's not up for parole until at least 2039, which is crazy. That's crazy. Uh, obviously, this destroyed, completely destroyed, her relationship with her father and brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when her father woke up. Oh, I forgot about the brother. Yeah, the brother, too. Where's the brother He in wasn't. All this? He, wasn't he wasn't there, home. no. Okay. But, I mean, that's crazy. Imagine growing up with someone your whole life, probably being close with them. Yeah, probably being close with them because he probably had the same, I mean, clearly not to the level that she had, yeah. but he probably had similar resentment towards his parents. Definitely, yeah, yeah. But then that would completely push me to being with my parents no matter what if my sister did something like that. Exactly. Dang. Uh, um, So the father and brother did um, ask courts to grant a 
restraining order against her for life. Yeah. So she would never be able to come in contact with them again, and they granted it, obviously. Um, the order also prevents her from ever contacting Daniel again, even after she gets out of jail, if she ever gets out of jail. Mm. So she really lost everybody, yeah. when you think about it, everybody that she had. And she did this to basically be able to run off with Daniel. Yeah. And now she, for the rest of her life, it's illegal for her to literally just talk to him. Yeah. And I feel so badly for um, Han because he... Oh, so bad. Yeah. So I, I've watched um, like a lot of interviews and documentaries about it, and mm-hmm. he is obviously not the same. They said yeah. that he is kind of like a shell of himself. He doesn't have necessarily a much personality anymore. Yeah. Um, he also got hurt because of getting shot, okay, so yeah. he's not able to work like he did. Um, and the thought of losing your wife and then never seeing your daughter again because you're scared of her, you literally ask courts, don't let her ever see me again, yeah. is terrifying. But that's your kid. Like, what do you do in that situation, you know? It's scary. Yeah, I mean... Can you imagine having to process that your wife is now dead? Because of your daughter. And then it's because your daughter did it? And he and she wanted you dead. And too. she wanted you dead, too. Yeah. I don't know how he survived it. It's like insane. That's crazy. So he's just not doing too good. Um, but yeah, so Jennifer is currently serving her sentence at the Grand Valley Institution for Women in Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, before Jennifer was arrested, she did go, you know, a week or so or two weeks before they arrested her, and Bick's funeral was held on November 15th, 2010, at the Ogden, I don't know how you say that, chapel in Scarsborough. Mm-hmm. Because it is a Vietnamese tradition that the oldest member in the family have their funeral first, because naturally, in order of age, the oldest should die first. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Jennifer's father had his own funeral a few days before Bick's um, to keep with the proper custom, even though he was still alive. Oh, So he already my had his God. funeral, which is so sad. That's so depressing. I know. Like, you have your own funeral, and then you have to have your wife's right after that. And he has to be alive still. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, also, because this was before Jennifer went to jail, she was in charge of organizing the funerals. Oh, my God. Yeah, because they also didn't know it was her yet. That's insane. So she kills... And also, they, they, they were starting to get on to, catch on to her, the mm-hmm. um, police. Yeah. So they had people follow her during the funeral to see how she was reacting, and she wasn't crying. She wasn't showing any emotion, and they were like, okay, something's up. That's insane. So she plans the funeral. How, I would not be able to do that, ever. Can you imagine being the father? No. Your wife dies. Then you have your own funeral planned by a daughter that just tried to kill you. Yep. And then having your wife's funeral planned by the daughter that successfully killed your wife. Yeah. And then having your daughter go to jail because she tried to kill you guys. I know. And her her just being oh able to do that. Oh my god. Like that's ha- insane. Her feeling no visible No emotion yeah. whatsoever. Especially because, I mean, not that she was close with her mom, but wasn't her relationship with her mom... A little better. Oh, okay. Her mother wasn't at... I mean, she was still very strict and very, you know... Obsessive. Yeah, fair, but... But the father was... Like, when, when the father tried to kick her out because she failed out of high school... She her was mom, helping her. Yeah, she was yeah. helping her. And to make it worse... That's insane. Yeah, no, to make it worse, her father was too badly injured, um, so he couldn't even attend to his wife's funeral. Oh, my god! <laughs> no, yeah, it just, like, gets worse. I feel so bad for this guy. And Felix, like... And that's so terrible, too, because... Then now that you know your daughter killed your wife, now you know that at the funeral, the person that really cared about her wasn't able to be there. It was only the person, I mean, besides the brother, it was only the person that literally got her killed. Yeah. It's really sad. That's crazy. Now, the media attention um, this received was very divided, which is exactly the way I expected because my opinion is also kind of divided on it. 
I mean, obviously, oh. I don't. No, no, I think what she did was wrong. Yeah, obviously. But there are people who obviously hate Jennifer and think she's a monster. But there's also people who kind of sympathize with her and recognize that tiger parenting is not healthy and leaves lasting mental and psychological effects on people raised in those environments. I don't think that killing them is okay, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I also can understand where... I, like, if I was like Felix, um, if he had reacted yeah. in a way, but not like killing them, but if he was saying, oh, it was just too strict, this, this, like, I completely understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. I just think she took it, obviously. Too yeah. Far. I understand if you had parents like that, how Felix might have reacted, where he might not have had the greatest relationship with his parents. He might have not communicated with them and things like that. Yeah. I mean, he might have a good relationship. I don't know. Ooh, oh, yeah, I know. Just, but I mean, if he had done it like that and yeah. coped with it like that, yeah. then that's, I understand if you're someone that goes through that and you don't, whether it be Felix or not, whether you, if you don't want to communicate with your parents, if you don't want to have a strong relationship with them and that kind of thing. But that doesn't mean... No, it's not. Just <laughs> <kill them. laughs> exactly. So there's a way to go about it if you don't want to have a relationship with them. You could just choose not to have a relationship with them instead of killing them. But I guess she felt... Maybe also it's different because she's a, she's an adult. Yeah, she's an adult. But maybe it's different also because she's like a daughter that I feel like some people are more protective with them. Where That's fair. Maybe... Because maybe Felix didn't have that same kind of treatment. That's um, true. Maybe she really just didn't feel like there was another way out, though. I don't know. But that's not okay, though. But there was, because she was a, I know. a I think whole 22-year-old. 24. Or 24-year-old, even worse. That's worse, yeah. I think that <laughs> And was at 22, out. she was basically financially de- independent. Yeah, she was working at a, a restaurant and a piano yeah, teacher. Yeah, so at that point, she knew it was possible for her to just be away with Daniel, because she had already done it once. Yeah, exactly. So she could have just done that twice mm-hmm. instead. Yeah, and this is her. This is, like, pretty much the whole ending of the case, but, uh... I don't feel much sympathy towards her at all. I know. I don't either. I was just, I was just trying to put both sides out there because I know there's... A hundred percent. Yeah. And I understand how that kind of childhood can really damage you permanently, mentally, psychologically, but the extremes that she went to yeah. as a consequence of that, it, it's just too much for me. Me I, too. It just feels so, so, so unnecessary. Yeah. It makes me want to hug my mom. I know, I know. Right? Like, I, I want to go hug my mom. I know. I also just hate, because when the story started, I didn't like the dad mm-hmm. at all. And now I've literally never felt worse for a person ever before. Yeah. Because now he's probably sitting back and constantly thinking about not only the events of what happened, but also what he did to make Jennifer like that, because there are probably a lot of people that, I mean, of course, again, like we said, we can sympathize with her for the way she was raised, but there's probably some people that basically completely blame him and the mom. Yeah. So if he's constantly hearing that, he's going to go back in his mind and be like, okay, this is what I did to make Jennifer like this. And that's what led to my wife dying. Mm -hmm. It is really sad. That's terrible. Hey guys, welcome back to my half of Dose of Deception. So my conspiracy theory that I'm going to talk about today is the new Coke, which is a kind of Coke that came out in the 1980s, and whether it was all just a marketing scam for the Coca-Cola company to gain extra money. Okay. So I'm calling it new Coke. However, that was not the official name of this Coke when it came out. Now, this was not the name used because the new Coke, quote unquote, was a complete reformulation of Coke. 
So at the time it was just labeled Coke because there, that was the only regular Coke being sold. So during World War II, Coke was credited with 60% of the cola market. Okay. So, however, from then on, there was a significant drop in how much of the market that they had control of. Much of it was attributed to the rise of Pepsi. So, by the Pepsi's time... Pepsi's better. Oh, I so disagree with you. Pepsi's so much better. There is no way to stop yes. the episode. <laughs> We're canceling the episode. There's no way it is. that you think Pepsi's better. Pepsi is so much better. I don't drink soda, though, but Pepsi's better. Pepsi is so sweet, and it has, like, an Coke aftertaste. Has the, Coke has the worst aftertaste. No, Coke is syrupier. Ew. And more, like, no. strong-tasting no. and more cola-tasting. No, wrong. <laughs> so many more people like Coke than, like, Pepsi. No, Pepsi. You know that, right? I, didn't, I don't know. So many more people like Coke than Pepsi. I don't follow the trends. Mm, okay. <laughs> That's what you're doing. You're just doing it to be cool. No, but also Mountain Dew. The best one. Mountain oh, Dew, yeah, 100%. Mountain Dew tops them all. Oh, yeah. Mountain Dew's delicious. But if you're just <laughs> doing Coke and Pepsi, Coke is a lot better. Okay, well, anyway, So by the time new Coke was released in 1985, Coca-Cola was responsible for less than 25% of cola sales. Okay. So Pepsi was better? Because, no. <laughs> because kidding. Pepsi had rising sales. Okay. At the time, there was also just less people drinking soda, specifically cola, during that time mm, period. Okay, yeah. So the only reason that Coke really was surviving at the time was because of its heavy use of vending machines, and they had a lot of partnerships and licensing deals with either sports teams, concert venues, different arenas, things like that. So that was the thing that was kind of keeping its sales alive a little bit. So besides just the decline in cola sales in the 80s, people really began to crave the sweeter taste of Pepsi rather than Coke. Yes. I don't know what they were thinking, but whatever. <laughs> Coke so, is like bitter. Yeah, it's delicious. No. <laughs> So, in order to help them create a new formula for Coke, because they realized they had to do something, or basically Pepsi was just going to completely take them over and they weren't going to have a business. Now, at that point, Coke was already starting to sell things that weren't just cola, but to this day, for Coke and for Pepsi, their actual when you think Pepsi and when you think Coke, those are still the biggest sellers that they have. So, they realized that they needed to create a new formula for Coke that tasted more similar to the sweeter taste of Pepsi. So they created Project Kansas, which was basically just the name of the tests that they were doing, the taste tests that they were doing. So this study was done to find a new flavor that would appeal more to the masses. So although the taste tests for the new Coke were positive, the percent of people that said they would stop drinking Coke if this was the new Coke flavor, often swayed and peer pressured others into not liking new Coke. Mm. So although more people said that they liked it than didn't like it, the very loud minority of people that said that they would refuse to drink Coke if this was Coke, often in the taste test, swayed the other people to feel the same way. So this is important for later on when they actually release new Coke. So, so when, I know I asked this before, but because mm-hmm. Coke didn't have didn't it have cocaine in it? Yes. Okay. So it Until was, when? I don't know until when. I know that originally it was used as medicine rather than a drink, like, like cola itself, not just specifically Coca-Cola, yeah. but that kind of soda that we know now was used as medicine, and it did have traces of cocaine in it hmm. in its earlier stages. I don't know when it officially stopped. Yeah. I mis- believe it had to do with like the government stepping in. Yeah, that but makes sense. There was a good chunk of time <laughs> that it did have some drugs in it. It's funny. <laughs> so, 
The new Coke was officially introduced on April 23rd, 1985. They made a huge deal out of it. There was an entire press conference in Lincoln Center in New York City. It was a whole thing. And about a week after the new Coke was introduced, the old Coke was officially discontinued so that the only Coke that you could buy was the new Coke. Even they had leftover bottles and cans from the old Coke. They would use those bottles and cans so that they could still get rid of them, but they would be putting the new Coke in it. So people would be buying it, thinking that they're getting the old Mm. Coke and open it and think, and it's actually the new Coke. So initially it actually ended up pretty positive, at least economically for Coca-Cola. There was a 8% stock rise when they first introduced it. However, just like in the taste test, the peer pressure from people that believed that it was absolutely terrible became a reality in real life. So the company, at the time you were able to call in to a hotline that they had to talk about their new flavor and how you want Coke to taste, they received over 1,500 calls a day complaining about the new Coke. And the company, over the period of time that new Coke was popular... They got over 40,000 letter complaints. Damn, that's a lot. <laughs> so a lot of people really, really, really hated it. There was even a guy that tried to basically sue the Coca-Cola company over the Coke. So his name was Gay Mullins, and he was a from Seattle, and he was looking to start a public relations firm uh, formed by an, with the money that was formed by an organization that he created called Old Coca-Cola Drinkers of America. <laughs> So they were basically lobbying to Coca-Cola to bring back the old formula that they used. He's, um, he eventually received over 60,000 phone calls of people trying. So even more complaints than Coca-Cola themselves got. So this obviously became very, very popular. Uh, so like I said, he did try to follow, file a lawsuit. However, the judge threw it away. Um, it did also mention that it was dismissed by the judge, uh, and when he dismissed it, he did say that he preferred the taste of Pepsi, and that's why he was throwing <laughs> away the case. <laughs> that would be his judge. So, yeah, so that's how big of a deal that's that insane. people literally hated it. <laughs> so Why did they hate it, you know? Well, like I said, a lot of it had to do with, because originally a lot of people genuinely liked it. So I think it was a lot of people that were set in the old ways and just didn't want change. And so that's why they were obsessed with going did back. Did it even, like, taste different, do you think? It did. Okay. It did taste different. It, like I said, it was, tr- the goal of it was to taste sweeter. Oh, good, good. So it did taste different than actual Coke did. Okay. Wait, so there was Coke that was bitter than the Coke now? Yeah, okay, so I will get into Ew. it because the Coke that they actually reintroduced okay. was slightly different than the Coke, the original Coke formula. Okay. Which comes into the conspiracy theory on why they actually did this in the first place, or why they might have done this in the first place. Okay. So, the old, so after all of these complaints, the old Coca-Cola was reintroduced on July 11th, 1985, which was 79 days after new Coke was introduced. <laughs> so this really did not last long at all. So... When it was reintroduced, it was actually such a big deal that it was considered breaking news and disrupted broadcasts in America. So they came in like it was breaking news and then the news guy like was like, (laughs) old Coke's coming back. (laughs) So uh, it also said that U.S. Senator David Pryor 
was actually <laughs> quoted it as being a meaningful moment in U.S. history. Damn. All that for Coke. Yeah, and the hotline that they had set up earlier received 31,600 calls in two days after they announced that they were reintroducing Coke and most of them being like, thank you guys. (laughs) So that's just the layout of the timeline on what happened. But the actual conspiracy, there's kind of two of them. They're very similar, but I'll mention both as separate. So the idea is that the Coca-Cola company knew that people were not going to like the new Coke flavor. They went into it fully expecting for it to fail and... Some people believe that that's exactly what they wanted to happen. So what they would do is just keep the new Coke being sold until all of the old Coke was gone and people couldn't get any more of the Coke. So wouldn't they just like adapt and then like it? Like give it a gear. I feel like people who hate stuff like it. That's true. I do think if they kept with it, more people would be like, okay. I feel like nobody would remember it. Yeah. And if this, especially because at this point, this is literally your only option. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cherry Coke came out at around the same time. Oh, time. Love let it. Let me tell you, I love cherry Coke. <laughs> I hate Coke, but put a cherry, cherry Coke, Coke in there. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, it came out around the same time. This was also a reason why, like I said earlier, cola was not as popular at the time is because people were becoming more health conscious. Mm. So diet Coke and diet Pepsi were becoming a lot more popular than their regular counterparts. So a lot of people were going on that. So I think since less people were buying it in the first place, if they kept with the change, people might have yeah. just gotten used to it. So one of the theories is that Coca-Cola wanted to change the original Coke to be a cheaper version of the one that they were originally making. And they knew that if they didn't go to new Coke first, everybody would have noticed the taste difference and hated it and then they the only thing they would have done is lost sales they wouldn't have at least gotten the initial bump from the new that's really smart business a hundred percent so when they reintroduced coke they introduced it as coke classic however like i said this was not the actual recipe for coke that they originally used it was using a much cheaper corn syrup instead of sugar that is so upsetting because, <laughs> no, because corn syrup is so bad for you. It's literally cancer in a bottle. Why the hell are you purposely putting it into things? And it's in everything. It's cheaper. It's cheaper, but it's in everything. And I hate that. I hate that these big corporations obviously don't care about people. They just care about making money. Yeah. I know it's cheaper, but it's so bad for you, corn syrup. Mm-hmm. There was, I read while I was like looking into this, just about Coca-Cola versus Pepsi and one of the things that I read was that Coca-Cola is, I believe it said, the sixth most recognizable brand in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, a big company like that, all they're going to care about is keeping yeah. making money. And, you know, they're in the stock market, so they need to keep looking good for their investors. So they mm-hmm. need to keep making money for that. Because once you're in the stock market, yeah. it's, it becomes all about money. Yeah, and that's why also, like, side note, <laughs> I stopped drinking soda because of corn syrup solely. Like, I, 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 in my head, I'm like, yeah, I love Mountain Dew. It's my favorite. I haven't yeah. Mountain Dew in, like, five years because I just don't drink it anymore because of the corn syrup. I mean, I... It's bad for you. All I know is that it's not good for you to drink, but I've purposely... <laughs> <laughs> made sure I don't look into what oh, it actually does because... I looked too hard into it. Even if I look into it, I genuinely feel like I would continue to drink yeah, them. Yeah, Just because... It's not even that I drink soda. Like, I mean, I definitely drink soda more than the average person, but I don't drink, like, a liter of soda a day. You know what I yeah. mean? I drink a lot, but it's not... 
an excessive, excessive amount. That's scary. You should stop. I know. <laughs> but so I purposely kind of don't look into it because I don't want to know because yeah. I like the taste of them so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. See, you know, when I stopped drinking soda, I had headaches like bad. Yeah. For um, like three weeks. And then yeah. I just only drink water now. Because if you drink a lot of it, it's hard yeah. to stop. Yeah. So, however, they do still make the real sugared uh, Coke. In Europe, they still sell the one with real sugar. And for kosher, like, people that eat kosher, they do sell the real syrup. Okay. Like, the real sugar one. Yeah. So, it does still exist, but in the U.S., it's basically impossible to find. I will say, also, Spanish cola is so much better than any other cola, (laughs) but whatever. That's a side note. (laughs) But, so, the other theory that kind of goes into why they did new coke it's basically the same theory but it's more financial based basically again that they knew that new coke was going to taste terrible they purposely made it taste terrible i mean the taste tests literally told them that they weren't going to like it that the public was not going to like it but they still did it because they knew that everybody was going to want to want the old coke so they put it out so that everybody hated it and then they would go right back to the old coke and they knew as soon as they advertised it and even though it wasn't the new, the old Coke, they still said this is the classic Coke, and that's how they advertised mm-hmm. it as. They knew that everybody would go back to it, and they knew that there would be such a spike in sales because everybody, because it was such a cultural phenomenon that people didn't like new Coke. That yeah. even if you originally didn't like the original Coke, yeah, you sense. still wanted to have it because you wanted to see what the big deal was, what the big difference was. So, Coca-Cola has actually publicly said that this is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, one of their heads said that basically the company would not have been smart enough to make up a scheme like that. Yeah. But honestly, Coca-Cola is worth so much money. It's so, yeah. And to have made that much money in the first place, you had to have cut some corners at some point. Definitely. And I do think, I mean, Coca-Cola, even to this day, has a very good marketing system. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have iconic, like, characters, like, the, the polar bear like their advertisements are really popular they have seating areas and ballparks and like <laughs> all this stuff they have partnerships with everyone so their marketing is so good now that i'm sure even back then it was smart enough to come up with a scheme like this yeah all right and that's all we have for you this week folks catch us every week for freaky friday with the queens of queens bye queens <laughs>